Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning and welcome to Community Christian Church. For those of you who are watching online, we extend a very special greeting to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Last Sunday, we hit yet another Community Christian Church milestone when we, served, uh, when we streamed our service live on Facebook for the very first time. And I was surprised to learn that we had over 4,700 views. So thank you so much for your support. Uh, we sincerely appreciate all the feedback and all of the encouraging comments that you've sent our way. Community Christian Church family, first, uh, believe me, when I tell you I miss seeing you face to face and I look so forward to us being able to once again gather together here in the sanctuary and worship our God and then afterwards share a cup of coffee together but until that time please know that we love you that we're praying for you the staff is thinking about you every day and if you have any needs and I mean this sincerely if you have any needs whatsoever please do not hesitate to call us Okay, for the past three weeks now, the whole month of March, we've been talking about refreshing our relationship with God. That's the subject of this series of messages, Refresh. And last Sunday, in lesson number three of this series, I said that if we're ever going to find true happiness and meaning in life, then we're going to have to engage God in activities that count. And by that, I mean life issues that matter, issues of importance and significance. And according to all the research, that's what brings the greatest joy and the most lasting satisfaction. Living life to the spiritual fullest and making small but notable daily deposits in our God account. However, when surveyed, and I mentioned this to you last Sunday as well. When surveyed, half of all the people responding to this survey said they are not happy or they're not satisfied with their lives. That's half or 50% of all people. That means one out of two people that we come in contact with each and every day, they are self-proclaimed unhappy campers. And statistically, when people are unhappy, when they're disgruntled or dissatisfied with a particular area of their lives, that's when they begin to consider and spend a lot of time thinking about hitting the restart button. And I'm talking about completely starting over. People are not happy with their jobs. What they do is they quit their jobs and look for another job. People are not happy with where they live. They call two men in a truck, and then they pack up all their stuff, and they move to another place. People who are not happy or satisfied with their pastor, God forbid, they move on to another church, and they begin to attend there, or they attend another online site. Statistically, whenever we're not happy, when we're not satisfied, we begin to look for restart buttons. Listen very carefully because this is important. Refresh is not the same as restart. I'm going to say that again. 
A refresh is much different than a restart. A restart or a do-over usually means to erase what you have or place some distance between what you have and where you're at and then to start again from scratch. But refresh means to take what you already have and enhance it, to make it better, to add value to it, maybe take it to the next level. And that's precisely what we've been talking about for the last three weeks, the entire month. We are talking about enhancing and elevating our personal relationship with God and in the process, finding that place and enjoying that place of intimacy with him. And the key to all this is surrender. And that's going to be the subject of today's message, installment number four of the Refresh series. And so far in this series, we looked at silence, spiritual silence, simplify, satisfy, and today surrender. Can I get you to say that? Surrender. One more time. Surrender. You see, in military terms, surrender is not acceptable. In fact, sometimes it's disgraceful. And the reason that it's unacceptable is because usually surrender means defeat, to give up, or to submit to an enemy or an opponent. And for the most part, the position of surrender is not a favorable or welcomed one. But for a believer... Surrender has a totally different concept. It has an exactly opposite meaning. For a Christ follower, surrendering your will and your ways to God is not a sign of weakness. And it doesn't mean that you've been defeated or conquered or subdued. Genuine surrender to God may very well be the most courageous and beneficial activity you could ever involve yourselves in. You see, when you come to the crossroad and you don't know exactly which way to turn or when you're facing a decision and you don't have the confidence or the experience or the wisdom to make that decision, instead of gutting it out on your own or rolling the dice, raising your hands in surrender to God is biblical and prudent. And what usually follows what's on the other side of full surrender to God is victory, spiritual victory. And now I'm talking about a win-win situation. It's a win for you, and it's a win for everyone else. And I firmly believe a fully surrendered life to God is the most important aspect of the Christian walk. And it's certainly the best way to enjoy and experience genuine intimacy with God. But check this out. Surrender is a process. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And surrender doesn't come easy. And God is well aware of that. God knows that. And that's why, for our own benefit and progress, what God usually does, and he continues to do this with his people, is he puts us in situations where we are compelled to make a choice. 
Are we going to rely upon our own resources, our own strength and our own ability, which we love to do? Or during the time of surrender, are we going to learn to trust God and to stand upon his promises and to know that he is a God who cannot fail us? And that he's proven himself throughout the generations to not only love us, but to meet our needs. That's what surrender will do for you. It will bring you to that place of knowing that God is for you and not against you. And just so there's no misunderstanding, self-sufficiency is a beautiful thing. Self-sufficiency is great. Handling life all by yourself is a wonderful thing. Until... Until God comes along and he says to you, it's surrender time. And I want you to take your commitment and your trust to the next level and to trust me. Now, uh, most of you know the general history of Community Christian Church. We started way back in 1992 in a rented school building and we were a portable church for seven years. Seven years setting up and tearing down every Sunday. But then in 1999, we built our first building, what we like to call our phase one building. It's where the youth meet now. It was a small 9,000 square foot multi-purpose building. And not long after we moved into our new building, people came from everywhere to visit with us. I mean, they just came out of the woodwork. And we went in a very short period of time from 165 people, that's the size of the church when we moved into our new building, 165 people to about 800 people overnight. And because the sanctuary could only seat around 300 people, eventually we went to three Sunday morning services. We did that for a while. And within about three or four years, because the church had grown and because things were going so good, we were able to save a little money to the tune of, are you listening? One million dollars. Can you believe that? We had a million dollars in cash in the bank. And please believe me when I tell you that we did our absolute best to be honorable stewards of everything that God had blessed us with, everything that God had given to us. But how many of you know when you have a million dollars in the bank, life is good, and you don't have a whole lot of financial stress and worry? I mean, you have a lot to fall back on in case you run into problems. And pastors at that time who knew our story they began to line up and ask me questions like, what's your secret? What's the formula? How did you experience so much growth so fast? And thankfully at the time, I was smart enough to give God all of the glory and all of the credit. And I basically said, if anything good is happening at Community Christian Church right now, it's only because of the grace of God. And there were some good things happening at the church. In fact, there were some tremendous stories taking place. Did I mention we were able to save a million dollars cash? Well, right around the 2002 time frame, after we were experiencing a lot of growth and a lot of effective ministry, that's when I thought that I heard God impress upon me to build another building. 
a bigger building. And to be honest with you, I wasn't all that crazy about another building project, especially not so fast. I didn't really get excited about the thought of having to go through the process one more time. But the Lord continued to impress it upon my heart. And so I hashed out a few things with God. And I said, Lord, we're in pretty good shape right now. And I don't want to get to a point where you hang us out to dry financially and we can't pay our bills. I mean, I've heard stories of other pastors who've got involved in building projects and then they came up short and there's nothing but trouble that happens. And I I made that conversation clear to God and I remember uh, talking about these kinds of things countless times. And that's when the Lord assured me that he was going to take care of that. He had that all under control. And whenever we would need anything, God would provide it for us. And so we went ahead with plans for our new building, our phase two sanctuary. And because the project came in over budget, like most projects, at the end of our phase two building, we were unable to pay our contractors all of the money that we owed them. And there's something that I found out about contractors. They're not real happy that when you don't pay them. I don't blame them. And so what they did in order to protect their own investments is they sued the church and they dragged me into court. And for a while there, I thought that we were going to lose everything. I was convinced that we would lose the lawsuit and everything would go away. And it took about six months. I sweated it out for six months until we were able to get a bank to refinance us. And once it was all said and done and we refinanced the loan and we paid off all of our contractors, our mortgage payment went up a little bit. At the time, we were paying just under $1,000 a month, like $998 a month. And after we refinanced for the new building, our monthly mortgage payment was $36,000 a month. $36,000 every month. That's over $400,000 a year. In fact, it's $430,000 a year. And for a while, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. Remember the conversations I had with God before we started the second building project? Do you know what was happening here? Do you understand what God was doing? That's right. He was compelling me to trust him and to fully surrender the area of finance to him. You see, during the phase one building years, God said, Tony, go ahead, have at it. Do the best you can. Handle the finances. I did pretty good. We raised a million dollars. But when phase two came along, God said, surrender time. Now I want you to trust me. Now I want you to look to me. Now I want you to understand that I am the God who will provide for you in every situation. And that's exactly what happened. God revealed himself to us as Jehovah Jireh. He was asking me to surrender. He was asking me to trust him and not try to do things in my own strength, which I have a hard time with. 
and I attempted to do what God was asking me to do. I attempted to surrender, but to be honest, I have to tell you that I came kicking and screaming the entire way. But you know, when I look back on that experience, it was a defining moment for me. It was one of the greatest faith lessons that God ever put me through. My faith roots and my trust in God roots, they went down deep. And the reason they went down so deep is because it was a God thing. God did it all by himself. He didn't involve me this time around. What he wanted me to do was just stand by the sidelines and watch him go to work. And he proved himself to be Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And again, God handled it all by himself. Today, how many know with the health crisis, not being able to meet together as a church, that could significantly affect our finances. And I could be freaking out right now, saying, Lord, how are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to make ends meet? In fact, I know a lot of pastors who are thinking that same way. And I'm not saying that those questions have never crossed my mind. They have. But you know that experience that God put me through 20 years ago currently is my lifeline because I'm not depending upon my own resources today. Through the surrender process, God taught me what it means to trust in him and I fully believe that he will come through for us today. For those of you right now who are afraid, maybe you're laid off, maybe you've lost your job, Maybe you've been crying out to God and you don't know where your next meal is coming from. You don't know how you're going to pay your bills. I want to encourage you that God is the God who meets our needs. He supplies all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He'll make a way some way. I believe it with all my heart. And I know that God will once again prove that he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You see, Surrender to God is never easy. It's a process. I mentioned that to you before. However, from God's perspective, it's paramount. And surrender to God is how we enhance and elevate a genuine vertical relationship with him. That's how we get in tune with God. That's how we are able to take our relationship with God to the next level. When we have this vertical relationship working the best that we know how. But you know, I'm sorry to say that many churches today, they're not teaching the spiritual principle of surrender. Many, many pastors today, what they've done is they focused in on how to refresh and enhance our horizontal relationships with one another. How to be a better spouse or how to be better family members and friends and neighbors and co-workers. How to have a little bit more compassion for people, to care about people, to show kindness. How to be more tolerant, uh, more understanding, especially towards people who think and act differently than we do. And make no mistake, that's all part of the gospel message. Jesus instructed us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And as Dave mentioned a few moments ago, uh, with the crisis today, the church is in perfect opportunity to be able to reach out to a world that's needy, a world that needs Jesus. This is the perfect time for the church to rise above our own circumstances and our own uh, needs, sometimes even our own selfishness. 
and be more concerned with what other people need. And so that's all true. Enhancing, refreshing, horizontal relationships with one another, becoming people who care about each other. That's an important aspect of the gospel message. But tell me again, what does Matthew 22 identify as the first and the greatest command? In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, it was Jesus who replied, the first and greatest command is to love the Lord your God. Say what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And now I'm talking about a love that leads to a genuine relationship, genuine intimacy with God. And many of you will recognize that instruction as a community Christian church core value, one that we've been teaching you since the very beginning. And I've reminded you often that we can't do this by ourselves. I've told you countless times, loving the Lord with all of our heart takes the grace of God. And drawing from God's grace is the only way that we could ever get to the place of truly selling out to God and surrendering our lives to God. 1 John 4.19 says, we love, we what? We love him because he first loved us. And so in order for the church to fulfill the Matthew 22 instruction that Jesus gave to us, surrender has to once again work its way into our theology. And I say once again, because these days, it just seems like the church of Jesus Christ has bought into a self-reliant gospel. After salvation, and after we acknowledge what Jesus did for us on the cross, that's when we kind of shift gears and we just handle life by ourselves. Some of us don't even seek God. Some of us don't even inquire of the Lord. We just take care of things all by ourselves. And please don't misunderstand me. I know you love God. I know you have a deep passion and desire for God. I know that you want to live for him and honor him with your life. But the truth is, way too many of us are trying to hit the spiritual refresh button in the power of our own strength. And it's just not going to happen, especially these days. We need a power that is greater than ourselves. I'm going to say that again. We need a power that's greater than ourselves. If we're learning anything right now, we're learning that life is out of our control and we are almost, in a way, being forced to look to God. And so we need that power. That power is available. That power has a name. His name is the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. And I'm not talking about when we die. I'm not talking about a spiritual resurrection. I'm talking about right now God giving life to our mortal bodies. In fact, he made this promise to his disciples before he left 
uh, planet Earth and went back to be with the Father following his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus said to his disciples, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you all by yourselves. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to lead you and guide you in all truth. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to convince you of what's right. He's going to convince you of what's wrong. And he will be with you each and every day of your life. That's the power that's greater than ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a very familiar verse of scripture that us us old school believers love to quote. It's found in Zechariah 4.6. Zechariah 4.6 says this, and you've heard me say this many times, maybe you've already memorized and learned this verse on your own. Zechariah 4.6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I know it's a long verse, but let's repeat it together. Not by might, should have it on the bottom of your screen there, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And again, we love this verse. We love to quote it. We've heard it uh, said many different times. But sometimes we quote a verse and we don't know exactly how it's used in the context that it's used in the Bible. And so for just a few moments this morning, uh, let me give you the backstory of how this verse is used, and I promise you, this is going to be the Reader's Digest version. Okay, I want to do this real quickly. All right, way back in 586 B.C., in accordance with God's word, because God's people had been disobedient to him and had broken most of his commandments, a man by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, one of Israel's fierce enemies, marched on Jerusalem, and King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the holy temple. I'm talking about the temple that Solomon had built. And after destroying the temple, King Nebuchadnezzar, he led God's people into captivity. And they were there in Babylon for a little less than a hundred years as slaves and servants to the Babylonians. But then in 500 BC, about 86 years later, a man by the name of Zerubbabel, he received what appeared to be a nearly impossible assignment from God. You see, following the captivity, God spoke to to Zerubbabel, and he told him, I want you to rebuild the temple. That is the assignment. That's the task that God gave to, to Zerubbabel. I want you to rebuild the temple. And keep in mind, this assignment was not a restart. God wasn't asking Zerubbabel to start over from scratch and build a brand new building. No, this was a refresh. And God wanted Zerubbabel to refresh and revive and to rekindle what had already been taking place in the temple before Nebuchadnezzar showed up and shut it all down. And once Zerubbabel determined in his own heart that he was going to respond favorably to God, and accept that assignment, that's when he came up with this tremendous plan all by himself. I mean, he, I can just see it. He went into his study. Yeah, he said, well, this is what I'm going to do. He put a plan together, and he launched that plan. He brought the people together. He rallied the people. He cast the vision. He hired workers and contractors, and he told everybody what they were going to do. And at first, all of the people were all in. 
But shortly after the project got started, that's when Zerubbabel faced tremendous opposition. And all of the neighboring uh, cities, those who were enemies of Israel, they did everything that they possibly could to discourage the people and to bring the project to a halt. They harassed the builders. They stole the contractor's supplies. They threatened God's people who had gathered together uh, to support the project. And they brought fear and confusion, so much so that the people of God abandoned their project and they went home. And we're told at that time, their focus shifted from refreshing the temple to taking care of their own buildings and their own homes and their own families. In fact, even the elders advised Zerubbabel. They said to him, Zerubbabel, don't worry about this problem right now. Let future generations handle it. Let's just take care of business at hand. Uh, we're okay with the temple remaining in its damaged and unusable condition. And when Zerubbabel heard this, he was discouraged. He had it in his heart to complete the project that God had given to him. He wanted to honor God and refresh the temple, but he lost the vision, he lost the motivation, and when all the people bailed on him, he was so discouraged he stopped the progress. And that's when God tapped a prophet by the name of Zechariah on the shoulder and he said to Zechariah, I want you to get over as fast as you can to Jerusalem. I want you to find Zerubbabel because I have a word for him. And here's the word, Zechariah, that I want you to give to Zerubbabel. It's not by might nor by human power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, what God was communicating to Zerubbabel is, I, I didn't change my mind, son. I'm not going to go in a different direction. I still want you to refresh the temple because I still want this intimate and close relationship with my covenant people. But Zerubbabel, if you're going to be able to take the refresh project to the next level, if you're going to be able to complete the assignment that I've given to you, then you are not going to be able to depend upon your own strength, your own wisdom, your own experience, or your own ideas. You're going to have to learn how to tap into my divine resources. That's the only way that you're going to get the job done. And church family, I sincerely and firmly believe that this is the prophetic word that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church today, especially to our church. The Holy Spirit of God is asking us, do you want to go to the next level? Do you really want the Spirit of God to take you to a higher place? Today, do you truly want to enhance and elevate your intimacy with God? Well, the only way that you can do that is by depending upon the resources that God has provided for us. And he's given to us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will empower us and enable us to do what God has asked us to do and he will provide for us. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, and I close out with this story, I had a conversation with 
a gal who attends Community Christian Church, her and her husband have come in, been coming here for about 15 years. And this gal that I'm referring to, she is a wonderful woman of God. She was probably saved when she was a little girl, and she just has a heart for God, and she loves the Lord, and she, she does everything that she can to make her life and everybody else's life better. Well, years and years ago, when we were still in our phase one building, this gal happened to be going to another church when her son-in-law, who had just been visiting Community Christian Church for a couple of weeks or maybe a month, he invited her to attend a service here. And so she came with her husband. And it just so happened that on that service, the, the very first service that they were here, I had an altar call. And during this altar call that I had, I asked the people to take a bold step toward God to get out of their seats and come to the stage and respond to the word that I had given that day. And most of you know that when we have altar calls, uh, we take care of this business in our seats. It, you know, it's a private matter sometimes, it's personal. And so, you know, oftentimes we pray in our seats and we let God do the work in our seats. But on this particular occasion, I asked the people, I, I recommended strongly that they get out of their seats and they come forward. Well, about midway through that altar call, this gal's son-in-law stood up, tapped her on the shoulder, and said, Mom, would you look after the kids? Because I'm going to go up in response to the pastor's call, and I'm going to recommit and rededicate my life to God. And the mother-in-law wasn't expecting that. In fact, when he said that to her, she nearly fell out of her chair. And it was after that, that service there, that her and her husband decided to attend our church, and they've been members ever since. And I tell you that story for a reason. Because a couple of weeks ago, when I had this conversation with this gal, little did she know that my plan at the end of the message today was to have an altar call. And the specific call that I was going to put out was for recommitment and rededication of our lives. And now I'm talking about believers, not unbelievers. I'm talking about people like you and me who have known the Lord a long time, who have served faithfully, who have a heart for God, who are the first ones to extend a helping hand to people in need. The call for recommitment has to go out to the church. It has to come to us. And I, for one, I want to rededicate my life to God during this season right now. As the Lord is moving upon Hearts, And as the Lord is causing us to ask questions and be hungry spiritually, I'm calling you to a place of recommitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the truth. It's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If you have a desire to go to the next level, if you want to respond to God and you want to be available to be a light in the world today, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It can't come from ourselves. The resources necessary for today, they're divine. They're outside of our humanity. And we have to rededicate our lives to God and in the process, learn what surrender, full surrender to God looks like. At this time, I'm going to ask you to please bow your heads and don't go anywhere. Please don't leave. We have a closing song and I want to come back and end our service in prayer. Father, we just thank you once again 
for your presence. Lord, we sense your anointing and presence in this place. I sense it in such a strong way. I ask, Lord God, that people, wherever they're at, in their homes, Lord, wherever they might be, mostly in their homes, that they would be receiving the same exact anointing. I pray, Lord God, that you would move on our hearts like never before. Lord, so many of us have served you with passion. So many of us have trusted you. So many of us have the testimony that you are a faithful God. But Lord, this is a new day. And this is a new time. And you're asking now for full surrender. Genuine intimacy with you. And I pray, Lord God, that the church would respond and we would tap into the divine resources that you have made available to us. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to do your work today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
I'm going to ask you wherever you're at to please bow your heads. You know, the question I've been hearing so much lately, the last couple of weeks, especially the last week, is, Lord, why? I mean, this came out of nowhere. Everything was going so good. The economy was up. It just seemed like life was good. Lord, why? Why is this happening? People have asked me that question. Do you think that God is angry? Do you think this is a judgment? I, I, I think we always ask those questions whenever we experience the storms of life. And quite honestly, I don't have all the answers. Not ashamed to say I don't have the answers. But this is one thing I've learned over the years. Whenever there's a crisis of any kind, whenever darkness seems to be around us, God is always trying to get our attention. And I believe that God is calling out to the church. He's using this that's happening right now to one by one call us by name. And friend, I have felt God calling me. I have heard God speaking to me. I've heard God's voice in the midnight hour, the impressions. That's all that's on my heart and on my mind. Lord, what are you saying? And I'll be the first one to acknowledge I can't do this by myself. I don't have the resources. I don't have the experience, even though God has put me through some paces as a pastor. I am desperate for the empowerment and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you an invitation today. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't even have to stand up. All I want you to do is acknowledge to God, that's me. Lord, I want to up my game. I want to go to the next level. I want to experience an enhancement and elevation in my intimacy with you. And Father, I just thank you because I know that you're drawing people by your spirit. And there might even be some people right now who are watching or listening that are not keenly aware of what a relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. And I pray, Lord, you would draw them as well. That, Lord, this would be their day of visitation, their hour of salvation. But for us, Lord, who know you, we are recommitting and rededicating our lives to you. Lord, it's our desire. We're not doing it out of fear. We're not doing it because we think if we make a step toward you, you're going to turn this away. Lord, we feel the call of the Holy Spirit. And we know it's not by human strength or power. If any good work is going to be done today, it has to be done by the Holy Spirit of God. And so, Lord, we come to you. We take a step toward you, even if it's a baby step. And we surrender, Lord. We want to trust in you. And Father, I pray for all those right now who hear my voice, whether it's today, tomorrow, or whenever they might get this message, those who might be gripped with fear, Lord, I pray the peace of God which passes all understanding, would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us a gift of peace and that you would increase us in our ability, in our dimension of faith, Lord God. Help us to be built up in our most holy faith. And Lord, help us to be the people of God, so filled with, a, with faith, that if we have a loaf of bread, just like in Old Testament days, if we have one loaf of bread and there's someone who comes to our door who's hungry, Lord, we could lop off a chunk and give that loaf, uh, that part without fear. 
I pray, Lord God, that you would do something in the hearts of your people. Utilize this time, this season, this day to help believers recommit and rededicate our lives to you. And Father, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Once again, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having the faith to believe that God is with us and he's for us. There are ways that you can connect with us. If you have any questions, we'd be glad to try and answer those questions. We are available to help you. Please don't think that you have to do this all by yourself. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.